Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Good morning, Brian, and good morning, everyone here in the Breakfast with Champions room. I'm so honored to be here. 
I want uh, this 30 minute segment is going to be super, super powerful because we have a very, very special guest. I'm here to interview. Where is she? Dr. Janice Diaz. Is she up here? I am. I am. I'm looking for you, Queen. Hold on. Let me look at this. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good right, morning. Everyone give Dr. Janice a warm welcome and a follow. Welcome her. Click on that bell button. Dr. Janice, how are you liking Clubhouse? Have, are, are you making just surprise appearances here and there? Tell me about your experience so far. So I have been listening on and off. So Dora um, introduced me to the um, the breakfast with champions. And so I have been listening since about 5.30 this morning. I've learned some real gems. I'm grateful for the conversation. I've come here a couple of times, but today is my first day listening for so long. And it's really just been extremely inspiring, especially the conversation about uh, leadership and conflict. For me, uh, conflict is so much a part of my everyday life and uh, being able to resolve it in ways that advances um, families and advances communities um, is just really valuable. So I'm really grateful for the, the last segment because it it educated and reaffirmed me. Wonderful. And I also want to thank Dora. Dora, thank you so much. If she's the one who brought you to this platform, then we are all blessed by you being here. I am I was not familiar with you to, uh, until she. I was asked by Sarah to conduct the interview, so I'm so honored by that. I deep dive into your work, and I, everybody on the planet needs to know who you are and what your mission is. Let's start with that. I would love to first start about what you're passionate about. I mean, you have so many passions. Can you share with everyone a little bit about the Grassroots Community Foundation that, that you started uh, and how we can support you in that initiative, what you're up to right now um, in that uh, foundation. Go ahead. So Grassroots Community Foundation is my life's love beyond my family and friends. I'm actually in, I'm talking to you from the city of Philadelphia today because in about an hour and a half, I will be at the Lutheran Settlement House um, providing meals for over 300 families. And that um, in many respects is, a is about our work. We give thanks each holiday and we're serving families in Newark, um, as well as Philadelphia and Atlanta. I started the foundation in 2011 formally, but the work started before then. So by training, I am a sociologist. I have my PhD from Temple University right here in Philly and my postdoctoral work from University of Michigan School of Public Policy. I have been obsessed with um, how we create equity in the world. Um, and I learned that really from my grandmother. I was born in Retreat St. Mary, and in that teaching, she really taught us to whom much is given, um, much is expected. And I've tried to, to be a return on investment that she and my family has made for me. And so in 2011, I formed Grassroots to bring together the knowledge that I have around social science, public health, that really, that really hopes to advance equity in the world. And I brought together a motley crew of people, including Black Thought from The Roots, um, as well as Mona Scott Young from Love and Hip Hop and Mona Me Entertainment, to ask how we could, how we could use the power and the gifts that we have 
to make life better for those who suffer so much. And the reason I took a public health and social justice approach is because in many respects, many of us think of our health as individual and um, yet our health is informed by all things that happen in public. And the social justice language is really the language of community. So for the past 10 years, I've brought together people who can use their power and talent to help transform communities. And my specific role within the foundation, other than its operation, is to see if we can create linkages across generation. So I mostly train and develop the young girls and their families such that they can understand the importance of becoming physically well, mentally well, um, and that they can understand that their health is informed by the public and what they can do to create change by using their passions and their frustrations. And so that is the work that I do, that is grassroots. People can support in all kinds of ways. We love volunteers, we love donations and always needed to make the work run. But most importantly, as of late, because of the pandemic, we have been hosting free classes run by doctoral people from Melissa Harris Perry to Takufu Zuberi to William Darity to teach people about what they need to understand about public health and social justice so that they can become agents of change in their own communities. Wow. Oh my God. Such great work. I, I'm just such great work. I, 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 my question for you, how does one, I mean, you're so passionate about, it, I love it. How does one who obviously experienced poverty, I read a little bit about your story, move from where you were as uh, someone who experienced racism, grew up in poverty to get where you are. Did you have mentors? You are a return on investment. I absolutely love that you acknowledge that. Who was it that invested in you and how did you get to from where you um, were born out of that to where you are? So for me, the, the journey is long and I'll try to synthesize it. So I... Um... I grew up with 13 people um, in a, a, a part of Jamaica that has only 433 people. And, but I grew up with people who believed in the word, and I mean in both sense, both spiritually as well as literacy. My grandmother was a big reader. My mother was a big reader. Our family's a big reader. And it is reading that's really even brought me to be able to be on this platform because I think some of you know that I, my daughter, Marley Dias, is... Um, the founder and the creator of the 1000 Black Girl Books campaign, which is a campaign about literacy. But it is reading and people who love to read that brought me along the way. So we left retreat to Kingston. Teachers identified that I was bright, mostly because of the way I read and the way I spoke. Um, in 1984, my mother, who is a maverick, um, really worked hard and diligently to bring us to Boston, my brothers and I. And in those schools, teachers, again, white teachers, black teachers, Asian teachers, really made sure that I got ahead. So they uh, put me in college classes from the seventh grade after school because they were amazed at my reading. Now, bear in mind, the only book I had read until I came to the U.S. really was the King James Version of the Bible. And um, that was where my literacy base was. As I went on to Boston Latin Academy, it was again the reading and the word and the teachers there that invested in me. I mean, I think I should have, I should have seen that I would become an educator as I got older. 
I got to Brandeis and again, they kept pushing me and suggested that I do so. And it wasn't until I ended Brandeis that I became an actual teacher that the, the sense of who I wanted to be started to come together. But along the way, it was educators in the classroom of all kinds of races who felt like I was passionate, who understood my devotion to learning and my commitment to it that pushed me. But one man, a man named Robert Riley, I would say top, uh, sits at the top of the investor's pile. He was a young white boy from Kingston, uh, Massachusetts, and I went to work at Sullivan Wista, a law firm, as an internship in the 10th grade. And he was just very curious about me in the sense that I wanted to just understand, which continues to be one of the many things I think is my gift. I want to understand how people move about the world. I want to understand how what calculus they use for their decision making. I want to understand. And he recognized the disparity between what I was learning and what he had learned as being an affluent young white boy. And he decided that he was going to teach me almost everything he knew. And I was willing to learn. And his training and his mentorship and his love really gave me a lot of information. So by the time I got to Brandeis, I had become much more knowledgeable than I'd ever been. And that, that place, the educational institutions have always been the place that anchored me because my family's own kind of formalized training couldn't take me very far. They could, they could love and support me but I needed the skill development. I needed knowledge and information. And so schools have always been the locus, the site of transformation for me in terms of my knowledge base and my family and my community has been the site of love. And so- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Being able to bring those together is really how I think about shaping my work. So when I've written this book, right, Parent Like It Matters, it is about the fact that we need to have love but we also need information because both of those things are what really transforms us and push us forward. That's what got me out of poverty. It wasn't just my desire. It was that I needed skills, training, opportunity, and I needed that love. So good. And you did, I was going to move to your daughter. We have such a short time, but she must, I mean, I, she must be so incredibly proud of her and you are living proof parent like it matters that you can develop incredible young women. I mean, your book focuses on how to raise uh, young women. With her idea of the A Thousand, uh, what was the initiative? Well, a Thousand Black Girl Books. Yes, A Thousand Black Girl Books. Tell me a little bit more about that just very uh, quickly. How did okay. you come up with that? So my daughter, um, we live in West Orange, New Jersey, and uh, we have lots of different kinds of books in our home. And in fifth grade, all the books that she was assigned to read had white boys and their dogs as the main character. And she found that profoundly frustrating and wanted to be able to do something about it. She thought 
there is a singular perspective that's being um, shown in school and teachers not thinking about it would end up just excluding the voices of all the other children and all the in the room. There were Indian kids, uh, other forms of Asian kids, etc. But there she was where the books really had a singular story. So she came to me frustrated and because I don't have to go to school, <laughs> um, I said to her, I asked her very simply, what are you going to do about this problem as you see it? And what she responded to was she says, I want to collect books and be able to donate. Maybe the school does not know that there are other kinds of books. So she set out to collect 1,000 books where black girls were the main characters because she's black and she's a girl. And to date, she's collected 13,000 books. She's created a resource guide online where people can find titles of these books by ages. And she has become the, um, the youngest person on Forbes 30 Under 30 list because she has brought forth this message of equity and the need to include other voices. She also has a show, Bookmarks, on Netflix, featuring Lupita and Common, Marseille Martin, and other writers to say that these stories and our stories in general really matter. So she has really moved it forward. She also has written a book in collaboration with Scholastic called Marley, Marley Dias Gets It Done and So Can You. So young people can see that this frustration that they have is that that frustration about social inequities plus their passion for something can really move the world forward. Fantastic. So are you officially a momager at this point? Oh, no, not I. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she is managed by people who do management. I, um, I am here to support and love my daughter. But my work and my book is a companion to her book in the sense that she writes to young people in Marley Dias Gets It Done and So Can You. In my book, Parent Like It Matters, I write about what do caregivers do to impassion their children to feel like they can create change. So I am happy to be of support to my daughter, but my work and my mission extends beyond and including my daughter's work. So we, we are... Uh, companions rather than my leading. I, I look forward to her leadership because she's really taught me quite a bit. Um, so she's managed by Sky Blue Media, Rakia Reynolds, um, as well as Charlotte Sheedy of She Be Lit. But I am, I am, I, I live a, an independent intellectual life. I love that. Now, literacy obviously was very important to you. Did you start reading? Um, and by the way, is Marley your only child? Do you have Marley any? is my only child, just like Scott is my only husband, at least for now. Ah, <laughs> you know, I'm a relationship expert, so I'm always interested in hearing about that <laughs> story as well. May I ask how you had heard your husband and what did what do you and do you, you know? So many of our relationships and our success are impacted by our partners. So can you speak a little bit to that pairing and also what advice you give when there is conflict and how was that pandemic for you as a family to go from, I don't know what your life was like before, but uh, share a little bit about how you dealt with the pandemic. Yeah, so I, um, I feel quite fortunate in the partnership department, but I, I will say this um, to your listeners. I am quite fortunate in the friendship department and I think that that's what also helps me with the partnership department. So I met my husband 23 years, 24 years ago now um, at Port Authority in New York City. Um, my husband is a genius, I would say, by all measures, except for the fact, except for school measures. Um, and he is a geographer by training and he helps build supermarkets in disenfranchised neighborhood. What my husband and I share in common and what I think is really the foundation of why we had um, I sometimes don't like to say it out loud, well, like while we had such a great pandemic in terms of relationship. 
um, is that for us, the pandemic gave us a chance to just love upon each other and to be with each other. We really enjoy each other's company and we're very different. Um, but he is funny and creative and adventurous um, and protective. And those things make him quite a great partner. It also happens that his sexism runs in the same direction as my sexism. So my husband is a hunter gatherer. He wants to hunt and gather things. I'm happy to cook whatever has been gathered um, and to organize whatever has been gathered. Um, and the things on which he is, he's very much an alpha black man from the hip hop era. And, um, and I am very brazen and very Jamaican. And he grew up with a, a mother who was the first black woman who's ever a police officer. So he likes strong, brazen women, um, at least sometimes theoretically, sometimes actually, but a lot of that theoretically. Um, and so during the pandemic, I was very cautious, um, overly cautious about being out in the world. I have more than enough knowledge about the fact that we don't understand public health. Um, but he was willing to go out and get things at the crack of dawn before there was groups, bring it back in. He likes to kind of adventure out. I like to be in. And so we have really done that. But in terms of humor, we got more chance to sit together, to watch movies together, to develop and come up with games together. Um, we really grew passionately. We also had therapy for the first six months of the pandemic as a family. And that really helped us because we wanted to be the best version of ourselves with our daughter. So my daughter had her own individual, my husband and daughter, me, my daughter and my husband. Um, and so we kind of were very much saddened by the opening of the world at one level, excited at other levels that um, our intimacy has been disrupted. <laughs> um, but it was and has been. He is adventurous and he me we're both ridiculously funny and um and we don't take ourselves too seriously wow so valuable thank you thank you so much for that i'm gonna do a very very quick reset guys um for the benefit of this room let me just quickly go here sorry about that you are all in the breakfast with champions the millionaires breakfast club we're here every morning to bring you motivation, education, and inspiration from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. every Saturday, and Club 111, which is our worship service on Sunday. We have our incredible social media show every weekday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and we've got pop-up rooms throughout the afternoon and evening to talk about trending topics and connect with you. We are building our incredible offerings to take you into the future of social audio and give you a seat at the table to build out courses, events, and of course, the champion circle, which you can click on the link above. You're going to want to go to www.breakfastwithchampionslive to, to stay and be aware of all we're doing to serve you. And for those who are new to this room, uh, we are closing or do it, benefiting this half hour with Dr. Janice Johnson, who is, oh my gosh, the return on investment, educator, change maker, and strategist. So thank you all for being here. Dr. Janice, what has been, I mean, there's probably so many proud moments. What was the proudest moment you've seen so far um, of your daughter's accomplishments? And then I'll point to what have what has been your uh, personal proudest accomplishment in 2021? So I would say that um, watching 
watching my daughter negotiate um, online bullying as, um, as well as public acclaim. Right at the time that the pandemic started, she started to, maybe a couple of months in, she started to film bookmarks for Netflix. And there were also some kids online who were absolutely um, awful. And watching her, she came to us um, really frustrated by it and wanted to, to figure it out. And, um, and, and still being really upset about it, but felt like it could be figured out. I mean, I've seen her do all kinds of incredible things. She's introduced and interviewed, you know, presidents, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, right? All the rest of these folks. But it was the idea that here was something so, so intimate that was happening. And, you know, you pour into your child and you have no idea what's going to happen. But to see her recognize that things are solvable, that she wasn't so overwhelmed, like it's not going to get better that there's not a better day coming. And she wanted to figure out how she could be okay with this big thing that was happening, but this intimate thing that was also happening because she's 16 years old. And it made me, Scotty and I just sat and was like, yo, that's all right, right? Like she's not, she didn't fall down the full rabbit hole. She was like, this absolutely sucks. She cried but she wanted to find a way out. And for me, that's what really life is about. A lot of things are going to hit you and you have to think about the skills and talents that you have, the passion, the connections, start to figure out how you can move forward even in these moments so that you could enjoy those other moments. Cause she wasn't, at first I was concerned. I was like, is she gonna be able to enjoy doing this work if this thing is happening to her? Cause as a young person, peer, um, points of view are so, so, so influential. And I was concerned that she wasn't going to enjoy this big thing that was happening. But she was like, this sucks, but this is great. And I need to figure it out. And she really did. She made her way through it to enjoy um, the work that she was doing and this unique experience that she was getting to have to executive produce and host the show. So that made me proud. Um, in terms of my own life, I would say that I'm most proud of becoming a doctor. Um, and But in terms of 2021, what I'm most proud of, I'm most proud of my ability to um, nurture my friends, support the foundation, but also give fully to myself. Um, a lot of what has been called and asked from me in 2021 has been a lot of public stuff. I published the book at the top of March. Um, I've been sharing the book, trying to share those things. And I was concerned that I would lose my focus on my physical health or my mental health because of the desire to wanting to show that I could perform well. And amid that, that has not happened. I have stayed with my same group of friends. I've made some new ones. I have continued to exercise every day, including and in before this call. Um, I have gone for a walk every single day so far in 2021. Um, and I have been quite peaceful. Uh, I've lost 22 pounds amid it, um, but not rushed. Um, I cooked more than I thought I would. And I just feel quite I feel quite at peace, and that makes me proud.
I love it. Oh my goodness. I sent you a DM, by the way, if you can take a look, I would okay. love to uh, have you on my podcast and share your message with even a bigger stage. Everybody like give Dr. Janet a follow. And finally, do you have um, a morning routine? Do you subscribe to? I do. I do. Okay. I want to hear about your morning routine. I'd love to hear about how you unwind. If there's an evening routine, because there's a big about morning or night. So please share. I, so I'm a big routine fan. So I thank you for asking. Nobody likes to ask me about my routine. So <laughs> I'm, I'm highly routinized. And, um, and for those who know me, I get very bothered by people who are not routinized. I do, I do, I do. I try to help my friends get routinized. So um, in the morning, I wake before everyone else because I love the silence of the space. Um, I have the same. I do a gratitude prayer before my foot hits the ground um, and list the things that I'm grateful for and the people in my life who I'm grateful for. I drink a glass of water in the morning. I take a vitamin called Thrive that is a drink. And then I have something hot. Um, I usually prepare, my daughter likes to have a salad in, for lunch and fruits and veggies. So I like to do that for her to help support her. And then I work out I, every single morning, no matter what city I'm in, I try to move before I do anything else. I don't like to talk to people first thing in the morning. I like to pour into myself. Um, my friend Lisa and I always say like, so then I feel totally self-righteous. Um, and then I get to work. I, um, and work becomes easy for me because of my nighttime routine. Before I go to bed, I create a complete to-do list by categories of the things I have to do over the next week um, so that I don't think about them during the night or worry about forgetting them. So after I've worked out and I've showered, um, then I go to my to-do list, which usually involves being on the computer all day. Um, and one day a week, I don't talk to anybody from the time my daughter leaves the house to the time she returns. So that's my routine. I love that. Um, why is it important to unplug? Was that a recommendation or was that just something you knew your mind needed to do? And then finally, as we're wrapping up, I didn't leave any time for any questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> All mine. All mine. <laughs> so for me, I, I always, in, in my day every day, I try to learn something. I read, I listen, I try to learn something. And I think it's, it's impossible to do that if you're always connected. So sometimes the learning that I have to do is I have to learn why I behave that way or why I said that thing or why I did that thing. So um, time of reflection is really central to the way that I move about the world. And um, unplugging is the opportunity to pause and reflect. Um, I really believe strongly in reflection um, and I believe strongly in pivoting. And you cannot do either if you're constantly in motion. So unplugging, rewinding, just being in, um, in solitude is just really important to me. So I really recommend that for everybody, however it is that you do it. Rightfully, I think you should do it um, once your obligations are done. So, you know, my phrase with my daughter is like, do what you have to so you can do what you want to. Um, and I really believe that. And the, some of the things that I have to do is I have to make sure that I'm in relationship with myself fully, honestly, and completely. 
I, I love every, I wish you could be here for 24 hours. Dora, Dora Marie, are you here, my love? Oh, I sure am. Uh, oh, Dora, Dora I, I want you to, I'm going to end it with you if you have a question or comment. You're the one who graciously introduced um, us to Dr. Janice. So did you have a question or comment or follow-up for, for her? No, I just, um, I just want to say thank you, Dr. Janice, for just being here this morning and just gracing us with, with like a lot of your knowledge and insight on some of your research. Um, if you can talk a little bit about joy um, and how to bring joy into oneself, especially when it comes to parenting, um, that would be awesome. And you can end on that note. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, thank you again for agreeing to come in the morning. I don't know what your routine is in the morning. I did not know, <laughs> but I'm glad you made space for this. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. So because my routine is always the same, this morning I was like, oh, they're out and partying. I said to Dora last night. Um, so I just woke up a little bit earlier so I could do the same routine. I did it. I had my Thrive. I did my push-ups. I did my squats and lunges. Um, and I moisturized my face. I'm very serious about moisturizer. Um, but in my book, I talk about the distinction between joy and happiness. Um, and I think that that's what Dora is referencing. It's really important to me, uh, this distinction. So many of us have this notion that we need to be happy and happiness is often performative. We are smiling, we are um, showcasing a, a persona versus who we actually are. I ask us to think about how do we cultivate joy? And joy for me involves two components. One is the idea that we need to have an internal optimism inside of us, essentially fundamentally a well from which we can draw. And that means that there are gonna be days that we are angry, frustrated, whatever, but that that well remains full for us to be able to get things out of the truest emotion, um, things that motivate us and move us forward. The other part of joy is really about action. And the action piece is about who are we in community with? How will we organize in ourselves? How do we connect to others? And so for me, joy is a set of action. Joy comes through a set of action that is linked to both optimism um, as well as connection. And I ask that we think about how do we cultivate that, that each day? How do we remain optimistic in the face of so many egregious and awful things that might be happening in the world? But how do we use that optimism to create change in the world? And that can only happen if we feel both connected to ourselves and connected to others. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. We Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.